0: Hello, my name is Tom Boone.
1: And I'm Joanna Bailey.
0: Welcome to the brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week.
1: Coming up in today's show, Tom says goodbye to Berlin's other airport, while I see why it looks like the secondhand market for the A380 is dead and buried.
0: I'll tell you about the world's first airline CEO who is also an Airbus A220 captain, while Joe tells us about Emirates' dilemma with its Airbus A380 pilots.
1: Finally, we'll hand back to Tom to find out about Lufthansa's COVID-free flights.
0: So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And actually, I wanted to start this week to change things up a bit. Um,
1: We all like a change.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Berlin is going for a big change at the moment. And um, last week, obviously, you had me going on and on and on and on and on and on about Berlin's new airport. So I thought this week we'd talk about Berlin's old airport. Um, and that's because on Sunday it was closed Um following 60 years. So, um, 60 years ago, Air France um, operated the first flight to Tegel Airport, and um, then on Saturday, lots of airlines operated their final flights to it because it's being replaced by Berlin's new Brandenburg Airport. So, um, airlines that did operate final flights to Tegel on Saturday were Air Baltic, Austrian, British Airways, Brussels Airlines, Finnair, KLM, Lot Polish Airlines, Lübeck Air, Swiss and Tap Air Portugal.
1: Wow, Um, quite a list. (laughs)
0: Yeah, quite a list. And actually, they kept the fire service um, very busy because each one got a water cannon salute. um, Oh,
1: how cool. As
0: it departed. So, yeah, cool for photos, but probably um, a busy day for the fire service. Um, Yeah. But I guess not as bad as other things they could be doing. Um, so yeah that was um, Saturday kind of it rounded off with Lufthansa's final departure um, and they typically fly A320 family aircraft into Tegel but for just for the final flight they operated an A350 because they could because they just had such great demand from passengers you know everyone oh, wanted wow. to book on that flight and I think it was it's been sold out for like a month or so that's really um, cool yeah, so um, it was quite nice because they didn't just um, have the A350. They kind of lit it up with a special message on the side, and of course that also got a water cannon salute. Of course, as it left. Um, but the 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 big day was um, Sunday because that was um, the last flight, and the airport wasn't really open as an airport on Saturday, Sunday. It opened specifically for. Um, this last Air France flight, which was with an A320 um, to Charles de Gaulle. Um, The flight flew in and um, picked up special guests who were going to be on the last departure. And it didn't actually go to a gate. What they did, which I thought was quite cool, was um, that they painted a special gate on the tarmac um, that this airplane could park up at just so it was... um, in in the middle and it didn't use a jetway instead they had the stairs out um oh, to nice. make it just sort of that extra special i um, did notice
1: it was like right under the signage for Tegel yeah. airport so it was like yeah that was absolutely set up for a good photo because normally <laughs> yeah. you've just got a plane and a whole load of concrete and that's not yeah. very photogenic but uh, yeah they took some care over that it was very cool
0: yeah um so they sorted that out and um they didn't just um let that plane take off either obviously there was like a big celebration and um, rather than just taxiing to the runway the plane taxied all around the terminal which you can do in Berlin uh, at Tegel because there's a bridge over the entrance road a bit like Luton um, oh, right. in London and yeah. um, and then that plane took off at 15.39 um, and then the sun set and um, they made one final speech over the airport's radio saying that it was, um, Brad Tegel was a small light for the world, but a big light for Berlin. Um, and then following one sort of thank you, Tegel, the airport's lights were all switched off. Um, but in typical... Berlin airport fashion they didn't all go off at once there was like this one went off then that one then that one then that one it was a bit patchwork <laughs> as if somebody was running along a corridor hitting every they switch probably
1: were <laughs> oh but, well it all um, sounds quite emotional I have to say and uh, I think you know for people that use that airport it will be quite emotional because it was a big part of uh, that part of Berlin wasn't it
0: yeah I mean I've never flown there but I did go out of my way um, two weekends ago to visit the airport just to sort of say that i'd been and yeah it was clearly one full of history but um
1: so it was a bit old in other words
0: (laughs) yeah i mean well you know like i i understand why everyone loves it you know but it's very dated it's 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 served its purpose
1: Oh, shame. Well, I'm sure the people that miss Teagle will just as much enjoy flying into uh, the new Brandenburg airport. I know I can't wait, even though mm. the bit I'm flying into is probably actually going to be failed. <laughs> I don't
0: know. You'd probably fly EasyJet, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, so I'd go yeah, to Schoenenfeld, wouldn't One. I?
0: Oh, no, do they, they use they? Terminal I 1. I thought yeah.
1: they'd use the Terminal 5. So, who's no, using no, no. the old terminal um, now?
0: Then? Ryanair, with, um I think TUI. Um,
1: okay. I thought that was like going to be the low cost hub, and then everybody else yep. would be over at the the new terminal. It is,
0: but um, like EasyJet is it, it's, it's very invested in its Berlin base. Um, and I, I guess they've done a deal with Berlin where they're not paying through like, the, nice the teeth. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, no, that's why um, EasyJet was sort of like the big the big carrier on the opening weekend.
1: Ah. Well, I shall definitely aim for EasyJet when I uh, fly Mm. to Berlin next so I can use the Mm. new terminal, definitely.
0: I mean, I feel like I'd always take the train to Berlin from Frankfurt, but I want to fly one time just to (laughs) go in there.
1: Yeah. Look forward to those environmental taxes you'll have to pay as a result. Okay, job. Well, today I really wanted to talk about one of our favourite aircraft, I think one of everyone's favourite aircraft, which is the Airbus A380. Um, now, as we all know, it's had a pretty tough time during the pandemic. Um, it was the first aircraft to be grounded. It's going to be the last one to really fly again. And many airlines may not bring them back at all. Um, a lot of airlines have parked them up for extended periods. For example, Qantas has sent all its A380s to the Californian desert for several years. Hmm. Some airlines, of course, are retiring the type early. They're taking this opportunity to get rid of them. Um, and last month, in fact, Emirates retired its first A380. And that was actually because it had got to a certain age, not just because of the pandemic. Um, and that was a 12-year-old A380 that went off to um, Tarbes in the southwest of France. And um, and it was only the second aircraft delivered to the airline and only the 13th A380 ever built. And it's very young in aircraft terms, particularly a big aircraft like this. I mean, you think mm. of how long things like the 747 go on operating for, you know, they're, they're useful sort of 25 years after they've been manufactured. And, and this week, we also saw Singapore retiring more of its A380s. And um, they're going to retire a further seven A380 within this quarter. Mm. Um, Now, of course, Singapore was the launch customer of the aircraft back in 2007. So, it's got some of the oldest in the world. Um, Its first was retired a couple of years ago, but none of its fleet has flown since March. Um, One's been turned into a restaurant, as we discussed in a previous podcast. um, And Previously, they'd retired five of their older A380s. Four of these were turned into scrap. Um, One got a second lease of life. (laughs) And it's the only A380 ever in the whole history of the type to have been given a second chance. So, um, Also,
0: the only one ever to become a freighter.
1: (laughs) True, I'm going to come to that. So, um, very excitingly, if you follow Simple Flying, you'll know we're a big fan of wet lease airline High Fly based in Portugal. And they took the A380 over for um, wet lease operations. they had become the only second-hand operator in the world. And they actually gave some kind of, um, how do I put this? It almost gave us some inspiration that there could be a second-hand market for the A380. I mean, the general impetus is that it's very much um, had its time. It was too late to the party. People don't want great big aircraft anymore. And there's going to be a very limited second-hand market. But when Highfly took theirs, the world went, oh, maybe, maybe it could happen. Airbus has always said, it remi- it's remained very committed to a second-hand market. It will support its airlines. It will provide the maintenance they need to keep the old A380s flying. But despite this, this is still the only one that's found a secondary home. And now that story is coming to an end as well, um, because Highfly has said when the lease comes up for renewal, it will not be renewed. And 9 h MIP will probably go off to be scrapped with its four sisters from Singapore Airlines Um, and it makes High Flight actually the shortest ever operator of the type. Now, the wet lease airline said that it's directly related to COVID. There's no potential to operate this this type of aircraft profitably anymore. So, really, I mean, that's the final nail in the coffin for the second-hand market, isn't it? Not that it ever existed in the first place, but yeah. I think we can safely say that there really is nothing left for A380s to do. Um, Highfly did try one thing. They stripped out all the seats and turned it into a freighter. Obviously, an A380 has got huge capacity um, and they actually have been flying cargo only with their um, 9H MIP. However, Um, in terms of general cargo, there's a massive issue. The the A380 is already a very heavy aircraft and Mm. you can only fill it up with very light things without sending it over its maximum takeoff weight. Also, the floors of the upper deck aren't really designed to take huge weights. So, what Highfly was using it for was fine. It was shipping PPE from Asia to places in Europe and that's fine because boxes of masks and and Mm. ventilators and things like that, you know, they don't they're not very heavy they're more kind of big <laughs> rather than weighty but normal pallets of cargo you just couldn't fill an a380 it's it's kind of getting towards its limit with the the belly hold full you know so it's yeah there is no future as a freighter it was never designed as one there are some places where it probably will continue to work out okay for example british airways as we've always said remains committed to the a380 that's mm. because their main hub is london heathrow and it's so congested and so heavily slot controlled, no more capacity can be added. So, on really popular routes like Heathrow to John F. Kennedy – it makes sense. You know, it's the aircraft that can do the job best because it can shift as many people as possible. Mm. Um, There's also been some mooting of pilgrimage flights. Um, For example, Malaysia Airlines launched a little subsidiary airline using A380s only to move people to holy sites. Now, this was like a year ago, and I'm not sure how that's going right now, to be honest. Um, But there are, at certain points in the year, big demand for tons of people to Mm. be moved in a very short space of time between a couple of places for things like that. Including
0: when airlines like Thomas Cook collapse as well. Well,
1: yeah, there was that as well. It came into its own for the repatriation effort really, didn't it? Mm. Um, But obviously, these things are very seasonal. It's almost certainly cheaper to charter a plane than to actually own one just for these points in time when they do make sense. So, Um,
0: maybe Airbus should just copy Highfly's model.
1: Just keep a few ticking over for charter yeah. operations. That would be, I, I think, that would be amazing to see, actually. But uh, whether Airbus has got any spare cash at the moment, I don't <laughs> if know. If you're
0: listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, so that's what's happened to the second-hand A380 market. Um, mm. What's been happening with Air Baltic CEO Tom?
0: So, yeah, I had a chat with um, good old Martin Gauss over at Air Baltic the other day, and I love chatting with him. You know, he's just such a down-to-earth guy. Um, you know, like when you think, oh, I'm going to speak to a CEO of an airline, you're kind of like a bit like, oh, best behavior, like nervous. But no, you know, he's, he's a really um, chatty, friendly person. And um, we were actually chatting because he's um, recently received his type rating on the Airbus A220. Um And obviously, back in the day, he started his career as a 737 pilot. Um, And then um, he sort of worked his way up through management and become the CEO of an airline that um, flies the 737. So, he was keeping his rating current just by, not by flying like every day, but just flying the odd flight as and when uh, needed. Um, But then this presents the problem that... um, Uh, Air Baltic was already um, planning to get rid of its 737s for quite a while now. So um, he started um, training to fly the A220 on December 16th. And then obviously the world happened. um, And um, earlier this year, Air Baltic pulled the plug on the 737. Um, So he's been working on his A220 um, type rating. And just recently um sort of managed to sort that out, and it was um interesting because I was asking him what it would be like flying with an airline c e o because surely um you'd be sort of nervous. a bit nervous <laughs> if you were flying with your boss yeah um yeah. but he told me that it's um only the training captains at the airline that fly with him, so it 's not just going to be oh, fair enough. um any random um new captain who started last <laughs> week um so I mean they're already um Used to flying with um, like the highest timed captains in the airline, so um, it's it's not that different. And he's sort of told me like he leaves his CEO badge in the office, and um, he's very much a captain when he's flying the plane. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's it's surely an advantage for an airline CEO to fly his planes because you know if um, like uh, when they had the. Um, when Swiss grounded all their A220s, for example, you know, if that had been Air Baltic, um, straight away he would have known exactly what the issue was because he's familiar with the aircraft. Um,
1: yeah, I guess that so does it's, help.
0: Yeah, it's, it's never a disadvantage. But um, what I really liked about our chat, which really speaks um, to him as a person, was um, I asked him if we'd be seeing him flying any of um, their new aircraft that are being delivered anytime mm. soon and um, he's like, he told me that yes it's something he could do but um, he wouldn't because um, his employees um, like the other captains and first officers deserve to have these special flights in their logbooks you know um,
1: oh that's nice
0: and he was sort of saying like he's already done so many of these special things through the course of being an airline CEO that it, it's really somebody else's turn now and I think that's um, that's really nice because I feel Um, other people might say like oh yeah I can do this so I'm going to do it
1: yeah no I think that's really nice and uh, I think it's right actually that the ones who put in the hard work every day get to do the fun flights as well. You know, It would be a bit unfair if your boss just stepped in and went, no, actually, I'll take this one. (laughs) I'm sure there are a few airline CEOs who do all the special flights. I think Mm. I've heard of some of them flying special flights, actually, but I forget who. I won't name any names or point any fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Oh, well, that's nice. I liked hearing about that. So Mm. really continuing on my theme of talking about the A380 today, Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Emirates because, obviously, this is one airline that we can guarantee will bring the A380 back because they have no choice. (laughs) Well, they already
0: have brought it back.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So, obviously, Emirates, everybody knows that they are the world's biggest operator of the A380. They've got 114 of the type. Um, To date, just 10 have been reactivated. Um, which, you know, doesn't sound too bad, given that most airlines aren't flying it at all. But when you compare Mm. it to the other aircraft type in its fleet, which is the Boeing 777, the airlines activated 146 of the 151 777s in its fleet. So, you can see (laughs) kind of where its preference lies. Mm. Um, And actually… It's just um, like
0: a common sense decision, though, really, you know.
1: Well, it is, really. I mean, I'm um, sure
0: if they had smaller aircraft than the 777s, seven, their preference would lie there as well. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Um, so, yeah, so the, the A380 is doing some key routes um, mm. where there is a little bit of demand still. Um, Cairo, Paris, London, Heathrow, uh Guangxiao, I can never say that one.
0: I I go with Guangzhou, but...
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's absolutely wrong, Tom. (laughs) uh, Moscow, and then last week, they also started flying the short, less than three-hour hop to Amman. I'm really not clear on why that one has the A380 service. I guess it's a high-demand route that I don't know about, but... But finding the routes to operate these on isn't going to be the biggest issue with the rest of the fleet coming back. The issue now is Emirates doesn't have enough pilots to fly them. Mm. Um, So pre-COVID, Emirates employed somewhere in the region of 4,300 pilots. Um, Now, I was reading something in One Mile at a Time, great blog, do go and read it if you get a chance, but only after you've read Simple Flying. Um, They reckon that right now it has just 2,900 pilots on its books. So that makes 1,000 ish pilots who've already been laid off, properly laid off, lost their jobs, not just put on furlough to come back later, actually gone, exited the airline. And hmm. um, And of those, around 75% who are left on the books are 777 crew. Just 25% are type rated for the A380. That's instantly disproportionate to the spread of the aircraft in its fleet. Mm. Um, Now, those who have remained on the books, a huge number of them have recently been asked to take unpaid leave for a year. So doing some very rough fag packet maths based on how many pilots they had pre-COVID and how many A380s they had. We reckon... Each A380 needs around 18 pilots if it's flying the long haul routes. Mm. You know, that's so that it can have more than two pilots on board to switch around through the flight, so that pilots can have enough rest time. You know, so there's cover if people go sick, that sort of thing. And now there's less than 200 pilots on the books type rated for the A380. Okay. And that means that if they were crewing the A380s as they were before, only around 11 could be operated right now. That's only one more than they've already got in operation. Hmm. Um, Given that they're operating shorter routes, you know, they're generally flying fairly close. You know, they're not going to America at the moment or anything like that. So, there could be fewer crew per A380. Therefore, you know, that number could rise to maybe 12 or 14 of their Airbus A380s. But really, you know, given that they've laid off the pilots or asked them to take unpaid leave for a year... I really think that's a strong signal that Emirates has no intention of bringing back the A380 in any sort of number for at least another year. And I think it will be 2022 before we Mm. see very much more of the fleet reactivated than we've got right now. Okay. So that's a little bit of maths for you for the day. (laughs) Very bad maths at that. But uh, yeah, so it's interesting because they haven't really said that they're not bringing the A380 back. By any number. And, mm. and they've always said they remain committed to the A380, but clearly not in the near future.
0: <laughs> mm. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Absolutely. Watch this space.
1: <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> mm.
0: So, I, I kind of wanted to um, round off by talking about my local airline, um, Lufthansa. Um Because they've kind of, I've always seen them as a bit of an innovative one throughout this crisis. You know, they were the first one to implement or one of the first to implement social distancing. Then they were one of the first to scrap social distancing. And then um, they were also one of the first to um, roll out COVID-19 testing. Um, But they're sort of going a step further with this now. They're going to be trialing um, antigen tests, uh, which are the sort of rapid ones where you get a result in... um, 30 to 40 minutes um mm-hmm. on but they're, they're not just going to go like everyone can take it if they want um they're going to be trying trialing it between munich and hamburg and it's going to be on uh, one flight each day one flight to munich and then one flight to hamburg um okay and basically what, what happens is um if you're on this flight your boarding pass gets uh, tied to an antigen test and um you, it won't be activated until the test result is reported as negative by their partner Centogene. Okay. Um, so obviously there's some technological IT in there, but um, if you tried, to, if you had taken it and either it had been positive or you hadn't um, uh, got the result yet, and you use your boarding pass, it's just not going to let you through the gate. Okay, Um, So I thought that was an interesting one. Um, but It's a um, different
1: way of approaching it, certainly.
0: It is. And um, at the moment, the tests take 30 to 60 minutes for the results. Um, So it means that passengers need to get to the airport early. Um, But that's really it at the moment. They've got to register. It's, It's a bit strange that if they're on the flight, they have to have the test, but they have to separately register to take the test. Um, but at the moment, um, Lufthansa is footing the bill of these tests, um, so...
1: I think they're very cheap anyway, the uh, antigen tests. I hmm. think uh, Carsten Sfor was talking about them at a conference and he was saying something in the region of $7, so, yeah. you know, really... I've heard
0: similar things from other CEOs. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that Lufthansa is saying that everyone on these flights must take the test, Um So, if you don't want to take the test, that's fine, but you're going to get rebooked onto another flight. Fair enough. Um, But, um, and of course, at no cost.
1: Yeah, how are they going to track the results? I mean, well, from what I've heard, the antigen tests aren't entirely... Reliable, well, this is the thing they know if that person then develops COVID or gets tests somewhere else and it's like contradictory. I don't know. um,
0: I think it's more like, um, because obviously you get the snapshot right when they're going to board the flight. Um, but I mean, the whole thing about testing is, um, you say like it's not 100% reliable, but um. Mm. Even if it's 90% reliable, that's still better than um, the 0% reliability of not testing people. Yeah, that's very um, true. You've got a 90% chance uh, of catching somebody who has it compared to um, a 0% chance of catching somebody. So, I mean, it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. Um, and if that
1: person tests positive at the airport, do they then have to, like, contact trace everybody in the airport? Or I um, don't know. Well, I don't <laughs> I, know. I think you know, you've like, got a better contact tracing system than we have in the UK. So maybe yeah, it's a bit more sophisticated than that.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, um, if you're at the airport, um, that's why sort of, um, we're wearing masks in the airport at the moment, um, stuff like that. And um, it's not super busy. You're not going to be at any one point um, of the airport for too long. Mm. um but we we've got the, the warning app and i think actually the problem the, the reason we're in the second lockdown right now is because there was this issue with contact tracing you know it just became too much of a burden because so many people uh. were were getting covid that it was becoming too hard to handle so that's why we've got a little lockdown now mm. um, hopefully bring the numbers back down to more manageable levels that's what they
1: said about our app as well. Apparently, it would have been great if it was finished in June mm. when the levels were quite low in the UK. But now, because we're in the second wave, there yeah. are too many people with COVID, so it's not going to work.
0: <laughs> I mean, like I've, I've right now got six encounters with low risk. Um, okay, that's which quite scary. Was, well, it, it was... The first sort of time I got that high, but now I, I, I think there's just sort of a case of walking past people in the street who have since tested positive. And, you know, that it could have been someone I met 14 days ago and they could have only contracted it seven days ago and then tested oh, yesterday. True. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not too worried. I'll, I'll be worried if it goes a lot higher or... Um, If it goes red and says high risk, you know, but I mean, it's at the moment, like, it's just only popping out to the shops if you need to. Like, I've only been to the supermarket or um, into town once, I think, to grab a coffee, but then obviously that was a takeaway coffee, so.
1: Yeah, it's the same here, although my children are both at school mingling with hundreds of other snotty Mm. kids, so (laughs) if anyone's going to get it, I think the families will get it first. Mm. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) That's great from Lufthansa. I think that's, you know, just once again, proving their commitment to really... Tra- testing out these technologies and yeah. trying to find a way out of this crisis. And uh, as much as we hope the vaccine, you know, that was really good news this week about the Pfizer vaccine. But mm. you know, I think maybe some people are getting a bit ahead of themselves because it is going to be months and months until we we get everybody vaccinated if it does prove to be 100% effective for everyone. You know. Well, so I
0: mean, even if it's like I was saying with the testing, even if it was 90% effective, that's still better than zero percent effective. Well, of it- Exactly, shortly. it
1: is good news, and hopefully this is the beginning of the end. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll talk a bit more about the vaccine next week and the issues with transporting it and things, because okay. I think that's a really interesting topic, and I think airlines are going to become vital in that uh, that whole mm. process. So, uh, so well, yeah, we'll I, know, put the, I know
0: Frankfurt has been preparing since the summer, I think, for this. So.
1: Oh, brilliant. Yeah, we'll put that on the list for next week's podcast. (laughs) uh, But I think really that's all we've got time for today. So, uh, as usual, we hope you enjoyed it. And please do send any feedback to podcast at simpleflying.com.
0: For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.